Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Murray back to throw, flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does. Left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in, and the Cardinals lead it. 32-30 with a second left. I'm not joking you. It was amazing. Kyler Murray rolling left, throwing across his body while falling backwards, and Hopkins goes up and gets it between two defenders with a third defender crashing in right at the last second. That was awesome, PK. A game winner when they just given up the lead with 34 seconds left. Yeah, I was watching that thing live on my NFL ticket. It's worth every penny I paid, and I got it for free. But I would have paid for it just to watch that one. A couple of things come to mind. Uh, you know how you say somebody has hops? Well, now you say somebody has hop skins. Oh, okay then. All right, yeah. I told my wife last night. She says, yeah, I like it. That's clever. I said, now I just got to make sure to remember, to, uh, to remember it. <laughs> and... Uh, that was the best Hail Mary that I've ever seen on both ends. Because Kyler Murray had to run around a little bit. It was John Beckesk against uh, the Utes, obviously. You know, going from one side of the field all the way to the mm-hmm. other. And obviously, uh, it wasn't a Hail Mary. It was a great pass that John made. And, and Johnny was alone and made that catch. But then, so you got that. And that then this kid, his athletic ability, there's a reason why he was a first-round draft choice in baseball, too, is because he's got phenomenal athletic ability, and it was on display then, right? But then the catch, you know, normally, like, you take that Doug Flutie thing. I don't remember the guy who caught it, but basically all you had to do is catch the ball. Or sometimes it gets tipped, you know, and it's somewhat of a, a fortunate bounce here or there, whatever it might be. Well, Hopkins just doing, you know why they do the standing jump in the combine? Well, that was on display right there. To be able to go up and just have fingers that seem like they were from Expendables and they were 20 inches longer than everybody else and maintain your balance and still be able to catch the ball, best Hail Mary that I've ever seen. Maybe not the most dramatic and all that stuff, but the best when you combine the throw and what went into the throw, what led up to the throw, and then the catch. And bonus reward on top of all of that. They're not tied for first place in the NFC West because the Rams destroyed Seattle. The Seahawks defense giving up 300 yards passing again. That's the worst pass defense in the entire NFL. I think it comes down to their lack of pass rush. Yeah, There's probably a lot of stuff, but I just don't think they get to the quarterback. But in any case, all three teams are now 6-3. and Well, I looked it up. Yeah, I would be more on the uh, offense. Seahawks only scoring 16 points. I mean, I don't know that you can uh, expect the uh, Seahawks defense to be dissatisfied about giving up 23. The Seahawks offense only scoring 16 is the shocker. There, I I looked it up. I think there's 15 teams, either six and three or better, in the NFL right now. And that offense should get better when they get Carson back. He's been out for about a month now, and that should improve their running game. And that'll take some of the pressure off of uh, every, everything's been riding on Wilson. Just 
make every play. So it's a reset there with everybody at six and three. And is it is it fifteen teams at six and three or better? But there are a lot of teams in that uh, playoff race in the NFC sitting right at six and three. Oh yeah, yeah. Those you got the, all three in the yeah. West. Yeah, those three there, and then uh, it's over in the AFC that it's the the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Colts, the Titans, and the Raiders. Five teams on six and three. And there's yeah. uh, three wild cards. Although one of them will get to be a division winner because the uh, the Colts and the Titans, one of those two teams, is going to win the, uh, the AFC and South. Cardinals Thursday night. Yeah, short turnaround, right back at it, huh? And such a high stakes game. So is Drew Brees okay? Because you've got Green Bay and New Orleans at the top of the NFC. They are both seven and two. The Bucks a half game back at seven and three, and then the three teams we talked about at six and three. So that's half dozen teams separated by a game. But he got he got crunched. That's a medical term. But he just got scrunched and crunched. And he tried to stay in the game and play, and you know they scored and he did a few things. But he was just he was clearly impacted by that. I don't know whether it was ribs or shoulder or what, but it looked bad. I think it was ribs. And Jameis Winston came in with 6 of 10 for 63 yards. They let uh, they let Taysom run the ball, but they didn't let him throw it much. He got sacked one time. He didn't actually have fumbled. a pass attempt. Yeah, he yeah. Packers, man, they, they were playing a one-win team at home. That was a struggle. They got it done. Rodgers with a fourth-quarter touchdown pass to bring them from behind to beat the Jaguars 24-20. Proving any team really can on any given Sunday, right? Uh, I already knew that, but yeah, they didn't, but they can. Steelers, the last undefeated team. Ben Roethlisberger didn't practice, but threw four touchdown passes and 330 yards passing, and the Steelers blew out the Bengals 36-10. Pittsburgh improves to 9-0. They still got, uh, what, three playoff teams left on the schedule, so it's not that they're going to completely cruise through an easy schedule, but they got they got the... Uh, the Jags coming up, and then they got the rematch with the Ravens. What happened to the Ravens? Beaten by the Patriots. It was rainy. It was cold. It looked nasty there in New England. But Cam Newton, you don't have to throw the ball down the field. All, all the big plays, let someone else throw it down the field on a trick play, or you run it in, or throw a little swing pass. They got it done. The weather was just absolutely miserable. It really did look awful. Tua Tonga by Lois, 3-0 as the Dolphins starter. How much should we buy in, PK? Hasn't thrown a pick. A little. Hasn't thrown a pick yet. That's impressive. He's gotten better. Five touchdowns, no picks, and he is 3-0. Monday Night Football. It's Vikings and the Bears tonight. If you want to watch a little football. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. A guy who was calling the rivalry game before it was the rivalry game, Bill Marcroft. So when did the rivalry game become the rivalry game? No, it wasn't really until the, until Lavelle came or until Tommy Hudspeth brought the Marines in. Then it, then football became a rivalry game. But for those of us who uh, have been there for the bath of fire and have the rivalry imprinted on our DNA, it goes way, way back. That was Bill Marcroft joining us for an interview back in 2011. The longtime voice of the Utes and KUTV sportscaster passed away over the weekend. And 
PK, he wasn't just the voice of youth. I mean, at that point, he was really the voice of sports. I mean, the Jazz weren't in town yet, so Paul James calling Cougar games and, and doing the sports every night at KSL, and he's doing the sports at KUTV and calling Ute games. There just weren't that many voices. And uh, his voice, he talks about the imprint of the DNA there, his voice, the imprint of DNA for people who grew up in Utah, people of a certain age, from uh, 69 when he started calling Ute games, I guess 66 he was an analyst, all the way up until 2005. And that's awesome, but there were just so many people dropping everything to line up and say nice things about him yesterday. And all the other numbers, and that, uh, the career is impressive, but impressive how many people he touched who wanted to remember him. Absolutely. He's a true legend. He touched me, too. Spent a lot of time with him over the years when I was covering the University of Utah men's basketball for the Watchdog. You know, he's a boring, another lonely road trip. Well, it was made brighter because of Bill Markoff. And it was made bright right from the start, too. It was not like it was anything that, that he warmed up. He was my friend immediately. And the thing that I, I think that he really liked with me is in at that time, I was a true uh, journalist. And Bill, his broadcast journalist days were over essentially when I came along in 93 but over so many meals whether it be any of the three traditional meals during the day or just sitting at airports or uh, in rent cars he told me so many stories of what went on in the community when he was in fact one of the leading if not the leading broadcast journalist I spent a little bit of time with Paul James not nearly as much so I'm sure Paul would have had those stories too. Uh, more, more, my time spent with Paul James was more in group settings, whereas with Bill, it was 10 years of one-on-one, basically. And listening to his stories about how this franchise came, how this coach was hired, mm-hmm. and then it branched over because he was of the community. You and I are imports. He was not an import. He, like you do too, in, in to, to a degree, if you hear anything in the community that's newsworthy, you share it with the folks who need to know at Channel 2. Well, he was doing that also. So not only did he have sports news that he reflected back, he had, you know, the, the term real news, but you get the point. Hard news, I guess, would be more the, the term that they use in the business. And he would uh, had experience on that. And then just as a person, we would go out to eat. I said this last night on television. We would go out to eat, and we would spend time in the restaurant because we had no other place to go. It would just sit in a hotel room by yourself. And then he would tell you how he had to go home and call Joyce. I I feel like Joyce was my mother, too, (laughs) because that was his wife. And he would talk about her a lot. He would talk about his children. And I talked about his son, Patrick, who became a doctor. And it turns out that Patrick ends up moving up uh, by the junior high a mile away. And I saw him and was involved with him in community events and all that type, those types of things. That, and I, I felt like I knew Patrick for a long time before I even met him. Yeah. <laughs> because of Bill, he was a family man. He was a broadcast journalist. And then when I came along, he was the truest of the true Utes. He represented everything that the University of Utah stood for in terms of being a fan and a supporter. Jeff Judkins was one of the people who lined up to talk about him and. As much as Bill was totally into the rivalry, as much as he 
loved Utah and couldn't stand BYU. When Juddy was uh, forced out by Majerus and decided to go down and work for Steve Cleveland, eventually became the women's basketball coach, yeah. uh, he said uh, he got a call from Bill right away. And, you know, Bill telling him, hey, it, it hurts that, you know, you're not going to be a Ute anymore and that you're not going to be up there. But, you know, you got to do this. It's, it's good for you. And, and I know you'll do a great job. And Juddy said he called him every year at the start of the season to find out how the team was going to be. And he said he's going to miss that call coming up here in a couple weeks. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would call me and ask me who I thought should get the Heisman because he had a vote. Uh, he, he entertained me. He was a walking history. Yeah. He told Big me time. about guys like, uh, what's the, uh, Chosich? Mm-hmm. What a ball Kressler, player he Chosich, was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I never saw him. He told me about Pace. He loved Pace. He loves Pace's attitude. I never saw Pace play. Literally never saw him play. I did. And he would <laughs> tell me about the man. I know, I felt like by the time Pace came along, it was another one. I felt like I knew Pace before I actually even met Pace. <laughs> I do. Uh, the. I saw him. I must have seen him because I went and saw uh, Chambers and Vrains when they came down to play San Diego State. I went to the sports arena and saw the game. So I know I saw Pace, but... Uh, his senior year, they beat UCLA in the NCAA tournament, and I distinctly remember watching him go over, talk to Pim, and thinking, "Who, who is that guy?" It really stuck with me. It's the weirdest thing when I ended up meeting him, and I could remember specific stuff about the game. He's looking at me like, mm, "You're either really good or you're a freak, or you're a little bit of both." I don't know what your deal is. So, but uh, those stories Bill would tell when I got here in '92. You know, the the thing about being an import is. You can come in and tell your stories, but people don't care. They want their stories. And both he, Henry Stein, told me a bunch of stuff about sports in the 70s and 80s. Actually, they told me some stuff about the the 50s and 60s. I have random tidbits of knowledge just because of the stories those guys told me in the Channel 2 newsroom. Uh, Bill was was really good to me, and that and that helped a lot. You know, there are a lot of ongoing stories. And you're right about you're right about those news stories, PK. He covered those as a I mean, I was going to say horrible plane crash, but but I guess if everyone walks away, it's not a horrible plane crash. But this wasn't. This was flames, it. and it was, it was terrible. And yeah. and he was a guy. He went out there and, yep. and did oh, the I report remember. and all that in the mid-60s. Yep. yep, I remember it very well. Yeah, he told you about it. He told me about it. And I came across uh, old tape of it one day, and it was everything he said it was, right right to the T. So. Bill, uh, Bill will be missed, man. There were a lot. He, I had no idea he influenced so many um, people who got into the business. When we have Frank Dolce on. We can ask about him. Frank told great stories. That was in the '90s. Uh, Rod Zundel interned for him in the '80s, and then Bill hired him as a producer, and then later reporter, anchor, and then Rod jumped to KSL and worked there for 25 years. And Reese Stein said he met him at a Reese was in junior high and met him at a uh, career day, and. He thought, I really want to do that. And 10 years later, he was working alongside Bill because Bill hired him. So had a huge impact on people. All right, uh, the other note on the Utes. The uh, Utes, uh, no media availability today. Pushed it back to tomorrow. I think they just are hoping that they're going to have some more answers about what may or may not happen this weekend with the USC game. So uh, won't hear from the Utes today, but that'll be tomorrow. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Shelly with Jalen Warren next to him. And Jalen Warren gets the snap right up the middle of the field. And off we go. Here we go. Jalen Warren, can he take it to the house? To the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. That 
is a Utah State touchdown. Jalen Warren, 84 yards right up the gut, and the Aggies strike first at Maverick. Wow! Scarver's going to take the ball to the six-yard line. Let's see if he can make something happen. To the 25, to the 35, and he's gone. Here we go. Save on Scarver to the 15-10-5. You got it. Touchdown, Utah State. Holy smokes. Two big plays in the first quarter. The Aggies actually led after a quarter, so that was a positive. And then in the second quarter, Fresno State won the game. And honestly, when they went to the locker room at halftime, it felt like it was over. It was better, PK. There were signs of life and emotion and big plays. But at 21-13, when Shelly underthrows the long pass down the middle and, and the kid's got to come back for it and he's down at the one, you're thinking, well, they'll punch it in. But they don't because they have a bad snap in the shotgun and they kick a field goal, and then Fresno goes right through the defense with zero resistance. It was right back to where it was the first three weeks. It was 28-16 at that point, and it just felt like it was over. Uh, yeah, I think the short story is Jason Kelly Shelly now off the, off the team. Yeah, that, that email came out last night uh, right about 6 o'clock. So, have you ever seen the leadership completely crumble like this where – we're a month into the into the games. I don't even know how to describe the season. But the coach is gone. Now the starting quarterback is gone. The guy, the other guy who could have been the starting quarterback is already transferred because he saw the first guy transfer in. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to have a chance to compete here. So he's off to Texas Tech. And then they do that game without the two guys who are calling plays on offense and defense because they tested positive. It's like this is such a disaster. It really is, man. You're just holding on until this thing gets over and regroup. Yeah. We talked about it last night. Uh, there is one game that they might win, if you look at it, New Mexico. And if they win one of the other three, uh, that's going to be really surprising. Air Force, CSU, and Wyoming. All right. So, four games to go for the Aggies. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. King to throw down the middle, caught by Pope. He's headed for the end zone. Pope is going to score. It's a Miami touchdown. Mark Pope from De'Ara King. An exquisite throw and a 36-yard touchdown from King to Pope. Hooker looking to throw the ball deep out there. It's intercepted by Corey Couch. Couch makes the interception, does a cartwheel on the field. Miami beats Virginia Tech 25-24. The ninth-ranked Hurricanes only have one loss, and the Canes avoid a second one right there. Upset scare on what otherwise was a, as far as results go, it was a pretty by-the-book Saturday. Obviously, USC, they're 20th-ranked. They're 2-0, and they needed two scores right at the end of the game to win again. Again with the interceptor. No, deflecting. No, right through the guy's hands. For the catch, this time it wasn't a touchdown. They, they needed one more play to get in the end zone. Man, these guys are living on the edge, PK. Yeah, I thought Arizona had a good shot, but their pass defense is not very good. And Gunnell's a good quarterback for for the U of A. They put some points on the board, and they got that receiver, and he's named Joyner, and that I like. The running back was good, Brightwell. And so they've got something that they could have give you a scare. We'll never know with the Utes because they're not going to play them. We'll see them next year, hopefully, obviously. But yeah, SC is just living on the edge of the cliff, and so far they're still living. Colorado, 2-0. How, what do they have to do before we buy them? It's been, 
It's been so long, and this was supposed to be so hard with a coaching change and no spring ball, but they beat UCLA and Stanford. And the score, the game wasn't as close as the score indicated. Stanford got two late scores, and they got the ball back, but I think they only ran one play when they got it back. Play well, Stanford's a mess. Week. Man, Stanford is a mess. They uh, have to uh, look at themselves. and they're Four and eight, now you're 0-2. But at the same time, I'm just not going to get caught up in the results this season. I know you want to, but I, I can't. I'm not in the Pac-12. It's so screwed up. If you were Oregon State, would you be mad at the refs right now? Or since you're not into the results, can you just let it go? Oh, you want to be mad because they gave you a bad spot? Sure. Oh, I get all that. It was a bad spot. I was watching the game. But, you know, get three yards, I guess, and take it out of their hands. So you can go back and forth on that all you want. ASU Colorado this week has already been canceled. COVID-19 issues within the Sun Devils program for the second week in a row. Colorado AD Rick George told reporters the Buffs would look at any and all options to play this weekend. They're 2-0. They'd like another game. What can they do on short notice? Uh, you were saying the Pac-12 seems to open the door for this kind of stuff. Merton Hanks. Merton Hanks had a, a quote, uh, certainly we would take a look at it, I'd imagine, which is a, an oxymoron. You can't have something certainly and then say I'd imagine because that indicates that it's only a possibility, whereas certainly removes any doubt. But you know, he's an ex-jog and didn't really understand the language. His point being that the, the Pac-12 is now open to playing non-conference games, according to Merton, but I don't know what type of authority he has when it comes to that. I don't think he was given the ultimate authority to make those decisions. Uh, but the Pac-12, yeah, it's clear in my mind they should have started much earlier so they'd have some wiggle room, and now they have none, and teams want to play, especially if you're Colorado, because you're sitting on top of the world at 2-0. and And what does that mean for this week? What does it mean for BYU? Obviously, there's possibilities there if the Cougars want to explore them. Yep, always going to wonder why the Pac-12 couldn't have at least started when the Big Ten and the Mountain West did and picked up two more weeks of games. And, the, you know, the, those... Those leagues haven't built in bye weeks either, so when they lose a game, they lose a game, period. That's the way it is. But at least they had two more to start with, so they're not down to four or five game seasons. Yeah, I don't even know if the Utes are going to be able to play uh, next week against the Sun Devils because it's my understanding the Sun Devils have been battered. And with this contact tracing, sitting out type of stuff, they're not going to get out on the field minimally until the end of next week so you're going to give them a couple of days after being off for two or three weeks and then they're supposed to be ready to play that becomes a joke so despite the fact the results uh i don't know it's it's a portion of a portion of a season still south carolina parts ways with will muschamp two and five this year and 28 and 30 uh in his five years with the club, and then the team owes them $15 million. Yeah, but it isn't a portion of a portion, though. I mean, they're going to play 10 games. They're set to play. We'll see. Yeah, so see if they actually get to play 10. There. This is right, a, and it's, a previous, it's the previous years as well. Yeah, exactly. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The Lakers expected to trade for Oklahoma City Thunder guard Dennis Schroeder in exchange for the player they pick Wednesday with their 28th overall pick and Danny Green. Ready for NBA draft and the draft order going to get mixed up. There's going to be trades. Boston reportedly looking to move a pick or two that they've got too many first rounders. They don't, they don't have room on the roster for all those guys. Well, as far as the Lakers go, I mean, that makes him better. He's a better player than Danny Green. 
James Harden reportedly had hopes of joining the Nets. He doesn't like the direction of the Rockets franchise and their ability to compete for an NBA title. Okay, hopes, but that's a huge contract. Is that really going to work? I don't know. We'll be talking NBA uh, later today. Still waiting for the time to get nailed down. Brian Kilbrowski, NBA draft analyst for USA Today Sports, giving us a lowdown on the draft Wednesday nights. We've got that to look forward to. Stay with us. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Dodger legend Tommy Lasorda hospitalized. He's in the intensive care unit in Orange County. Uh, The team announced it yesterday. Lasorda, 93, described as resting comfortably, according to the team. He attended the team's Game 6 victory that clinched the first World Series title it won since 1988. Can you explain to people, I mean, Lasorda is a big deal in baseball, but how big a deal he is in Dodgerland and how quotable he was for how many years? Oh, yeah, he was a larger-than-life personality in a super-sized media market, and he had personality. I mean, he's a little Italian guy, obviously, from Pennsylvania, and Italian guys from the Northeast know how to talk. Believe me, I can verify that. (laughs) (laughs) And he knew how to do that. I can just... I've interviewed him a million times over the years. Uh, just I wasn't a Dodger beat writer, but uh, the course of the season, if you're a breathing body, you end up covering Dodger games because the regular guy needs a break. And so, yeah, he was as entertaining as they came, that's for sure. He understood the marketing aspect probably as well as any manager in the history of the game. He could sell it, and they were drawing 3 million people, but he didn't back away from it. He kept selling it. Mammy Marlins have hired Kim Ang as their general manager, first female to hold the GM in Major League Baseball history. Uh, Nine years as MLB's senior vice president for baseball operations, also an assistant GM for the Yankees and Dodgers. So sounds like there's a lot of background there. Now, on the other hand, uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, preparation for this moment, right? The career arc's been leading this moment, but... Yankees and Dodgers have money the Marlins don't have. So on the other hand, uh, does working for those franchises prepare you for the hand you're going to be dealt in Miami? Oh, yeah, but you just went to the two franchises that have the most amount of money. So you can most of the teams are in her situation. So uh, she had the relationship with Jeter, and I think that's what helped there. Plus, plus. She's another North Jersey gal. There Went to high school about seven miles from where I grew up. Which high school? Give us one of those uh, Jersey names. I think it's Ridgewood. High Ridgewood school. High School. Yeah, Ridgewood. yeah. It's only it's, yeah, it's minutes. I could have rode my bike uh, if I wanted to. Uh, and so she's got that. You know, she's smart. It's funny. You know, it's a big thing. I get it. It's a woman. It's an Asian woman. And for those folks that want to make a big deal about that, I fully understand it. But that's a day-long story. Because when she gets on the job, which has already happened, it's what do you do with the job? And, and, and how do you perform? And you better perform. And who you are, what you are, really doesn't matter. It's a huge story at the time. But the great thing about it, she'll, like everybody else should be, will be judged on performance. DJ and PK. Dustin Johnson is just going to go up and finish. Back and through and in. Domination by Dustin. 
20 under par. He wins the Masters in record fashion. The all-time scoring record set by the number one player in the world. It's a dream come true. It's, you know, it's, as a kid, you know, always dreamed about, you know, being a Masters champion. But, you know, it's, you know, it's just incredible, obviously, as you can tell. Dustin Johnson, second major title, biggest margin of victory since Tiger in 97. He won by five shots. There's a little wobble early in the day, PK, with a couple of bogeys on the front nine. But uh, he righted the ship, and he was money coming home, pulling away. I don't think the lead got under three, did it? Did it get to two at one point? I think it was three. And then he, uh, he was money coming home. He's the best player in the game. I've been saying it for a good while. He has the most skills. It's hard to win every time, obviously. But when I look at him from top to bottom, what you need as far as golf, he is the best player. He's the most well-rounded, most thorough, whatever you want to say. That's him. And I I just love how they get so emotional because they think of all the things. uh, That was on the green there with that lady who does the interview, Amanda, I think her name is. I don't know her her last name, but I, I believe her first name is Amanda. Great, great interview by her. She goes to the well. He can't respond. She lets him compose himself, goes to the well again. He still can't respond. Rather than push it, she throws it back to Jim. Great, great touch by her. Even though the, Dustin barely talked, it was one of the best interviews I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the emotion told you everything. You didn't yeah. need all the words. And his skill level is just, it was something that I saw years ago. Uh, you picked him, so you got your first major. Yeah! <laughs> I picked him every single time. I mean, I was going to pick him, but you picked him. He, he is, to me, the most complete golfer. It's a no-brainer when I looked at him years ago thinking, this guy is just going to do his thing as long as he keeps his head on straight and he had some issues earlier but i think retsky is well i don't think he's officially married to old paulina uh but that's basically his father-in-law and i and i've seen some read some stuff retsky got in there and got on his case his college coach got on his case and i'm sure his family his brothers on the bag i'm sure they did and it's good to see this talent that he has come to pass I can't believe Bob didn't pick him. I mean, I'm glad I got my first win, but I can't believe. <laughs> You'll always remember your first major. Dave. <laughs> the text I got last night was which one of them picked him, so I know who I'm going to get guff from. <laughs> well, I was going to pick him. I, if you go back and look since oh, yeah. you've been doing I know. this, I, know. I pick him every time. Yeah, I know. You were going to go Dustin Johnson. <laughs> no, and when you man. said as soon as I picked him, you're like, ah, I was going to pick him. Of course, because I had said, well, I, I, I thought Bob was going to pick DJ, but I thought there was a slight chance he was going to pick Justin Thomas. I yeah. thought it was going to be DJ or JT. I was pretty sure it was going to be DJ. And when he picked Kepka, I was like, I can't believe I have to decide. <laughs> well, don't outthink the room. Pick DJ. He's playing great. You know, he is great. It's, it's yeah. not like this win came out of the middle of nowhere. You know, he's nope. he's been he's been playing well for weeks. So, oh, I'd say years. Oh, okay, yeah. But but really, since they came back, since you know the tour stopped like everything else, and he got to wound up, and he was playing really well. So, he's a superstar. But you were picking him uh, even before we were doing the picks with Bob. You would predict. You're like, well, I'm just going to predict 40 times in a row because he's eventually going to break through. Right. Right. And this is his, his second win. He had the Open four years ago. But you were probably picking him back in, like, 2013. Yeah. Because you were picking him at least two or three years before he finally won. Well, you won. just look at him, and it was obvious. Yeah. 
All right, there it is. We'll talk with uh, Bob coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That is the longest What is Trending ever. That's some kind of record. All right, it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, we got a lot to get to this morning. Uh, your memories of Bill Marcroft. We can spend a little time on that going forward. Uh, coming up next, we've got the question of the day for Ute fans. What do you What do you do now? Advice for the Utes? What What now? Owen to uh, just trying to get on the field. Obviously, no record because they didn't play any games. And for different reasons, the next couple games could be jeopardized. Uh, we'll get to all that coming up. Stay with us.